you ready to take your writing to the next level? Then welcome to the Book Editor Show. Join Clark Chamberlain and Peter Turley each week as they teach you all the tips, tools, and techniques you need to move your book from manuscript to market. Visit thebookeditorshow.com for show notes, links to guests, books, and extras to make your old novel better than ever. Now, please welcome Clark Chamberlain and Peter Turley. Hey, welcome to the Book Editor Show. I'm Clark Chamberlain, and join with me uh, today is Peter Turley. Hello. And uh, we have Rebecca. Um, Rebecca is uh, an editor Hi. with us. <laughs> and uh, we're glad to have both of them on the show. Um, Peter is my is my co-host. Uh, this is our first show, so that's why it sounds so terrible, I'm sure. <laughs> no, uh, just kidding. Uh, we're just having, we've had a bunch of fun trying to get this to work and get everybody on here at the same time. And uh, hopefully we're going to put together a really great show for you um, and help you out. Um, this being our first show, we're going to be talking about uh, point of view. Um, point of view in books oftentimes uh, is sometimes overlooked, you know, especially uh, people get into when you're writing, maybe you're doing a um, third, per um, third person and you just think you can jump all over the place and yet it's still confusing or a first person that jumps into a third person or, or back and forth and, and so that's why it's important to really understand and it helps get deep into a character and helps a reader really connect well with those characters. Um, so I wanted to take a moment um, and let Rebecca introduce herself and tell us a little bit more about what she does as an editor and um, take it away Rebecca. Hi, yes, I'm Rebecca Blevins, and I just started professional editing um, not very long ago. Um, I have been uh, interested in books and stories for my whole life, and so I've really taken a lot of that, and it's basically become part of me. And I found that I really enjoy not only writing stories on my own, but helping people to make their stories better. Because a lot of the time, what we say as writers, we get, we understand. But when we have a reader read that, what we are trying to say may not come through. And so my job as an editor is to help your story, help you to make your voice shine and to have come across as succinctly as possible what you are trying to say. So that's, in a nutshell, what I do. Well, that's great. You know, and that's exactly what needs to be done because, like we were just saying, you know, that so many times um, authors miss it, you know, and mm -hmm. they, and it's and it's not just it's not just necessarily something that's done on purpose. You know, I mean, sometimes it's just maybe it's a lack of funds, or unfortunately, mm -hmm. sometimes it's uh, it's too much ego involved. You know, not taking the right advice to make the best story possible. Um, right. Absolutely. So um, today, let's start off first. You know, point of view. Um, we can have three different types of point of view. You, know, mm -hmm. you can have the first, the second, and the third. Right. Um, and uh, Peter, um, why don't you talk to us a little bit about the first, give us a little introduction on that. Okay, so first person is, as we know, um, using the pronoun I. Um, personally, I, I like this viewpoint. Um, I think it's great for have, developing a closeness to the character, uh, like an immediacy, and for really creating that bond. Um, it's probably the viewpoint with the least distance uh, between the reader and the character. Um, so it's great for stories. I read recently um, The Life of Pi by Jan Martel. And for like the second portion of that book, um, he's basically on his own. Um, and I think if you're in a situation like that and there's just one character, first person is, you know, 
the, the perfect viewpoint to be using because it, it brings the reader right in and they get all the thoughts from the character. Um, you don't need to italicize them or there's just an immediacy. You can throw away most, if not all, of the dialogue tags and you know, you're, you're right there with them. Um, so, you know, a lot of like uh, young adult novels, um, you know, teen books are like first person for that, for that exact reason. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, exactly. You know, and, and second person, I can't think. We, we talked about this in some emails <laughs> back and forth. You know, and we've come to the conclusion, what, that uh, it's the choose your own adventure? Is that about the only one you can think of? That's Pretty much. Pretty much. There, yeah. I know there's another one, but I can't remember the name of it. That's supposed to be good, but like one book. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, we had uh, uh, for Raven International Publishing, we just uh, completed um, selecting everything for uh, for our first anthology, A Bleak New World, and we had five, um, four or five submissions of the that were in second person. And I was really surprised, and. Um, they're, they're difficult to read. They're difficult to connect with, I think. Um, like Peter was saying, you know, first person brings you in to a closeness of the character. I think they were trying to feel like that would bring the person in closer, but it actually put up a barrier. You know, I felt further away. I felt more disconnected. Um, so it's certainly, you know, it, I guess you could take it as a challenge authors to try to write the best second person book available, but... Uh, <laughs> for me, second person feels like pointing fingers all the time. You this, you that. Because, yeah. Yeah, it actually. Yeah, you know what? You've mentioned that. That's exactly what it felt like. You know that. Um, it did. It felt like someone demanding, like mm -hmm. you. <laughs> so. You know, <laughs> uh, alienating about that, isn't there? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, Rebecca, why don't you take us take us through a third person, and what that is? Well, there are a couple different. Are you wanting to just? Are you wanting to go through Omniscient 2 at this point, or just third limited and third deep? Um, let's basically. just do uh, let's just do the basic ones there. We'll get into deep because I wanted to talk to you more about that, where you've got the class. It's going to come up a little bit later. Okay. All right. Well, third uh, third person is generally uh, it's kind of a broad point of view. Um, basically, you're telling everything from one character's perspective. Nothing that happens will happen out of that character's perspective. But how close you get into that point of view is something that we can talk more about later. Um, for example, the Little House on the Prairie books are a good example of third person, and they're very distant because it almost seems like a narrator type of, of reading, but it's not because nothing happens outside of Laura's point of view. Um, another, let's see, what did I have? I have books on my side here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like. Harry Potter, there's a lot of debate whether it's omniscient or, or third person, but all this stuff from Harry's point of view, um, it's very broad. We don't really get too deep inside Harry's head. So third person is basically, um, you know, she did this, Sally ran to the store, you know, we tell everything that Sally sees, uh, but that's about all we know. Yeah. Excellent. So that gives you a basic idea of, of, of which ones they are. and. Um, now let's get into talking a little bit more about um, I, I really want to start first with digging into to first person because this is like we're saying you know a lot of YA um, use this um, I'm, I'm reading this more and more um, uh, uh, submissions that are getting sent in to me that are first person um, let's talk about um, first person one of the things that uh, that's a problem with first person is description you know mm -hmm. is describing yes. the character so um, 
how would you do it, Rebecca? How would you take that and make that a natural description? Because the character, you know, how are we going to see the character? Mm -hmm. Well, first person is my favorite point of view as well. And I really enjoy first person present because that's about as close as you can get. But uh, to describe the way that I do it and the way that I've seen it effectively done is to really get inside your character's head. Because if you're going to describe something, um, you need to have the other characters react. Like, for example, you could have uh, the character's best friend say, oh, I, I love how that, you know, sh that, that shirt makes your eyes look so blue. I mean, you have to think of other ways. You can't just say, you know, I, I looked in the mirror. We don't want to do that. <laughs> there are so many mirror descriptions or reflective type descriptions. But there are kind of sneaky ways that you can do that. Or if you want to talk about, um, you know, like, for example, a, a character's, uh, you know, maybe they have, maybe somebody gives them a necklace because it matches their eyes, for example. Um, but you really have to get inside that character's head to think of how to describe them. And it needs to be natural. Um, you know, even she could be picking her blonde hairs off of her sweater. And that tells you that her hair is blonde, but it's not saying, oh, I have blonde hair. Um, so basically things like that in, in the narrative as they're going through the day. So and at what point do you think um, you'd want to add that in? You know, because the first person, they're going to be there from chapter one. Mm -hmm. uh, how important is it that we get a full picture of that person in the very well, beginning? I personally, there are a lot of different opinions on this, but personally, I like to, I like the analogy of using a painting. A few brush strokes and then your reader will fill in the rest. You don't have to describe everything. If you give just a few points, um, then the reader can fill in everything else. I read a book once. Um, I was asked to review this book, actually, and it was a really good story, but there was absolutely no description of the main character, except that I think she wore a green dress. And that was it. And that was a point I brought up in my review. And the author had done that on purpose because she wanted the reader to imagine. And I actually had this discussion with a few people uh, the other day. And one person said that they, that does not bother them at all. They like to completely imagine. But I think for most people, for me, when I read a book, the character is real. You know, the author's bringing me into this story. And for me, the story is real and exists in its own sphere. So. I just want a couple things. I can know that the guy has dark hair, dark eyes. You know, maybe he's he's, you know, taller than oh, you know, as tall as a lamp post. I mean, depending on if you're writing fantasy <laughs> or what. But give me just a couple of of details, and then I can paint in the rest. So I, for me, um, closer to the beginning of the story, not necessarily on the very you know first page, but somewhere in that first chapter, I like to just have a couple of things. Good. Um, Peter, you you said the first person is your favorite. Is that the the style you're writing in right now? No, it's it's my favorite in regard to um, a closeness with characters. Mm -hmm. um, in in regard to like what I like to read and write, um, it's it's definitely third. Um, and I, I completely agree with Rebecca that if you can if you can get it across through some sort of action, then that is definitely the way to go. Um, sort of like have your characters. You know, have two of them maybe have a race down the street. Um, you know, you can get across like fitness and body shape and things mm -hmm. like that. You know, one might struggle, and you can you can get creative that way. Um, I think with first person, you can do it through thoughts. Um, 
you know, you might have a neurotic character who, who worries about their appearance, and you could maybe slip it in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, you know, just be careful that it's not glare, a glaring trick. And <laughs> I, I hate, I hate my brown hair, and you know, but <laughs> I think you can do it. And um, I, I read somewhere that it's more easily done. Um, or believable through maybe like a female character who's like, mm-hmm. you know, getting a little bit frustrated because, you know, she's brushing her hair and it's tangling or she's trying on some jeans or something like that. You know, anything. I think as long as you do it through through action, that's the best way to go. Absolutely. Um, I was at writer's group, my writer's group here in Idle Falls um, a few weeks ago, and uh, uh, one of our uh, gentleman who was there, he was talking about this book that just drove him crazy because um, the, the fir- it was first person and it, it was, he was a real narcissist basically because in his character description you know, his flowing hair and his yeah. bulging biceps and <laughs> look at me and how amazing I am you know. And that's and so a real turn off. <laughs> absolutely, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he just, he couldn't get through it. He got about halfway through the book and he was done just because Yes. You have to be careful, and that's and it, as an author, you're just trying to get the information in there. You know, the character mm-hmm. himself wasn't a narcissist; he just he was coming across that way because of this character description. And finding ways to relate that description, um, exactly what Peter said. You know, when somebody could say, you know, her mother's dark hair just like hers, or you know, I you know, put on this brown coat, which my boyfriend loves because he says it brings out the red highlights in my hair. I mean, that's kind of dramatic, but, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. We're not going to walk around thinking, oh, my goodness, I have the most lovely blonde hair with all these curls. You know, we don't think like that. So it doesn't feel natural when somebody does that. Yeah, you know, and that's another thing is that also as humans, a lot of times we have a false perception of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's the negative, you know, that we, we see ourselves more negative in, in the worst negative light possible. You know, that we, we come down on ourselves harder than anybody else. And so when you're walking past the mirror, you're walking past the reflection, you, you see yourself, and you're like, oh, goodness, you know, I, I really, I look really frumpy today or, you know, or whatever. And, I, I, man, I, I'm way too heavy. But, you know, maybe other people aren't seeing us like that. Right. So that's a danger I think that you know that you want to make sure that you're being honest when you're when the character speaking as well. Exactly. Well, that's a really good, really good idea there, though, um, on how to put the the character description together right in the beginning. Um, let's talk about uh, uh, strengthening our writer's work um, through word choices when we're doing point of view. Um, how have you done this to help other other authors when you've been working on their books? Well, one thing that we do is think about this setting and think about what type of life your character has. Because unless you have a really unusual farmer who likes to attend high tea, you know, with a farmer sitting in his farmhouse, he's not going to be probably lifting his pinky as he drinks out of a teacup. I mean, we want it, and the same thing goes with our word choice. You know, he's probably not going to use a lot of, uh, he's not going to sound like a prince when he speaks, for example. Um, he might say, oh, that sounds highfalutin instead of, you know, or things like that. So what I like to do, especially um, in third person, I find that this t- can be an issue where sometimes as authors, we do a little author intrusion by putting in the way that we speak about things than the way that our character would necessarily speak about things. 
And so with that, you kind of need to get into your characters' heads and say, okay, how would they describe this piece of furniture? Is it a, a sofa? Is it a couch? You know, is it a fainting chair? Um, which are different things anyway, but you know, your character is going to describe things differently than you would. So you keep that in mind, even if you're writing in the third person. First person is a little easier because sometimes you can think of yourself as a farmer or think of yourself as, you know, a princess or a warthog, depending on what you're writing, and uh, you know, and apply that to your surroundings. Oh, excellent. Um, I know that. Uh, yeah. So I write a lot of multiple character points of view. Like uh, I'm third person, um, but I, I and I don't head jump. And I'm not jumping from place to place, but uh, every chapter is usually a different character's point of view. And so, like, remembering that this person speaks this way, you know, exactly like you were saying, you know, it's really important to... And that way, actually, you know, it also helps so you don't have to use as many character tags because your reader gets used to that cadence, the rhythm mm -hmm. in the length of the, of the writing of the, of the sentences, and particular words. So, right. for instance... Um, I've got a character, Rachel, she uses the word dude. She's the only person in the entire world, I think, <laughs> that uses the word dude. But, uh, <laughs> so when, you know, when, when, when you hear dude, no, that's, that's her. You know that it's her. Right. Right. And Brandon Sanderson does that very well in Alley of Law. Um, if you notice, and I can't remember character names. I, my memory is not so great when it's been a few months since I've read a book, but uh, the way that he does have the sidekicks speak very differently, and you can tell right when he comes in who's speaking from the way he talks. Oh, absolutely. Have you found that to be the same, Peter? Regarding a distinctive Regarding character voice. Yeah. Yeah, um, sort of uh, to reiterate what Rebecca said, um, that every character sees something, sees the same thing differently. Um, to, to hold that in your mind all the way through is so useful. I mean, even in not just describing the character, but describing setting. And you know, a, a character can come up on a house or a castle or you know wherever they are, and you know that that character might be like an architect or a soldier, or and they're all going to see things completely differently, um, and use you know words of their trade to describe these things. Um, so they're all going to have their own distinct voice and. You know, as Rebecca said again, to to not have your voice being the the only voice that's sort of pervading the whole novel, um, yeah, is 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 worth considering. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, point of view. I mean, this is a, and we've talked a little bit about how this can get dangerous. Um, before we join, jump into deep, I want to talk a little bit about the third person point of view, though. Um, when we are switching from one person to another person. Mm -hmm. And um, what what are some of the dangers involved in that? Dangers. I was making it sound like this is such a dangerous da, da, da. People only <laughs> blow up. <laughs> uh, yes, that it's uh, are we talking about about omniscient or just about third person? Third because person in general like um, and I've noticed this in a few of the the transcripts or transcripts of three of the submissions that I've read mm -hmm. um, recently. You know where where I was like all of a sudden I'm like well who whose point of view is this in because I've I've jumped from right. one to another to another so quickly. Well, if you're staying in third, you don't. I don't really like to see that more than uh, you know. I like to stick with a point of view per chapter or through multiple chapters. 
because then you end up not really getting into anyone's head very fully and you can end up confusing the reader quite a bit. And why I ask for clarification is because there is a list of about 24 different names for different types of points of view. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, if you, if you are switching too quickly, then you're going to confuse the reader and they're not going to really be able to sink into what's happening in your story and get used to the cadence of what one voice sounds like before they're jumping into something else. And so it, it, that's a very big problem that I have seen. You need to and kind of stick with it for a while. That's what I was going to ask. And what's the best way then uh, for, for an author to solve that problem? I would say try to keep at least one point of view per chapter or a full scene. Uh, unless we're, you know, we'll talk about that a little differently when we talk about omniscient point of view. but. Um, yeah, you need to stay with it. Like, don't don't change every paragraph. I would stay with an entire scene at minimum, um, and best if it's at least a chapter or more. And I do like the style that's becoming a little more uh, common, where we are seeing a point of view through a few chapters, because that builds up some of the intensity of the story. And then um, Sanderson is noted for that. And then all of a sudden, you get jerked out from that point of view, and then you get another person's point of view. Um, so how much you do would probably depends on how long your story is, but at least a full scene, if not at least a chapter. Well, that's a good way to, to do with it because it can happen accidentally. Like mm -hmm. when, a, when an author's first starting out, you know, and yes. they, they might not even be aware that, and you know, I mean, rules are meant to be broken if you know them, if you can understand right. what it is that you're doing. When you do it accidentally, that's when it can really become damaging to uh, to the readers, you know, and being able to get that book into more people's hands and to make it a real profitable book. Yes, exactly. Knowing the rules are critical in order to break them well. And I, I do see some trying to break that rule before really understanding why, and it, it doesn't tend to to serve the purpose of the book. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just like you were saying, though, let's uh, let's talk about omniscient. I mean, this is, we're not seeing this as much anymore, are we? No, we aren't. And the most I've seen it lately has been more in, like, epic fantasy, where the whole story is more uh, an all-encompassing world, where it's basically omniscient means that you are a god, and you know what's going on in all the places of the book, what's going on in all of the characters' heads. I've seen more of a shift to third-person multiple, where... You have different main characters, but you switch points of view, and it's third limited, but you're using multiple characters throughout the story. Um, omniscient is more, one of the best examples I can think of Omniscient is The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Mm -hmm. um, and that one, you know, there's a lot of humor. And you have two types of Omniscient. You have Objective, which is basically like a movie, and you see everything that's going on. Um, or the narrative, where like a uh, series of unfortunate events is a great example of that. Lemony Snicket is the narrator, and he's telling the story, and he's a fictional character, obviously, um, but he knows everything that's going on. So the advantage of that is that you can see the whole picture of what's going on. There's also a tendency you have to be careful not to head hop in that either very quickly, because people I've seen that too, where people will go one paragraph from one, you know, talking about one character and then directly to another one, and, and that can get head hoppy really fast too. Uh, but yes, it, it is not as common anymore as uh, 
as the third person multiple. So when you're when you're writing in that kind of style and when you're editing in that kind of style, um, are we talking about then that it's just a narrator, or can it be multiple points of view? I mean, because it seems like it's just a single point of view, right? That it's right, right. It is a single point of view. Um, but if the narrator or the objective is focusing, just I, I was working on this one project recently where it was trying to be omniscient and it was trying to be limited, and it would jump back and forth between different styles. Um, but omniscient is just from one, from the objective or the narrative narrator's point of view. Uh, so you you do know everything that's going on, like you know if Fred. Fred said he, you know, Fred knew that he wanted to ask Sally out on a date, but Sally knew she didn't want to go out with Fred on this date because he had horns on his head. I mean, you know, we know what's going on with both characters. So I think in order to do omniscient well, and it's very, um, I think it has grown to be less popular for a lot of the reasons Peter talked about first person is so popular because omniscient is very far removed from the, from our characters' heads. We don't get as close to the story as we do. It's like a you know a wide lens versus being very close. You know, omniscient, you're standing over them like in a helicopter, basically. If you have close third, you're sitting on your character's shoulder. If you're first person, you're seeing it through their eyes. So the lens is very different. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, let's talk about the. I wanted to talk about deep um, point of view. Um, because you're actually getting ready, you said you were trying to put together um, a program for this, correct? Yes, yes, because Deep Point of View is my favorite. Um. <laughs> and where can, where can you use, use this best? Um, deep Point of View is best in a very character-driven story. One of the reasons that Twilight was so huge and resonated with so many females is because we were right inside uh, the main character's head, and because we, you know, the way that it was written, you could feel everything that she was feeling. You knew what all her thoughts were. It was very much an internal sort of storytelling. Where whatever your opinions of Twilight are, that's why it was insanely popular because people could put themselves right in there and feel like they were the character. Um, I like it because I like stories about people, most of all, and you can get the most visceral type of storytelling out of a deep point of view. That's really cool. Um, Peter, what uh, what kind are you using right now with your third person? Uh, third limited. Um, and generally keeping one character per chapter. Um, <clears throat> I may sort of pop to another character for like the last paragraph um, of a chapter just to sort of for dramatic effect. Mm -hmm. um, and regarding that I do have a question for Rebecca. Um, I know that you mentioned Harry Potter and I know some people have suggested like that there's an omniscient element to it and mm -hmm. what's your view of using multiple viewpoints in one book? So you know, perhaps have an occasional phrase into a, an omniscient narrator or, you know, can that be done? Do, like, is that, a, can people do that or does that just not work at all? I think that you'll have a lot of people give you opinions on, you know, stick with one style, do whatever, you know, do one thing. However, I think part of the argument, arguing with Harry Potter is because she did mix some styles. 
Um, I think that if you know what you're doing and you break the rules appropriately, that anything can work. Um, I read a book recently called Pretty Little Dead Girls by Mercedes Yardley, and she's broken quite a few rules, but she's also written several books, and it's one of the best books that I've ever read. It's a very different style. So I think if you are going to break those rules to see how you do, break them confidently, because if your readers want to feel like they're in good hands. If you kind of come at it from the side and you're not really sure what you're doing, your readers will pick up on that. Yes, I, I don't know if um, either of you heard of Joe Abercrombie. He writes uh, fancy fiction, and he head hops a lot. He has he's got loads of characters, um, but he's got a really distinctive writing style for each character. So immediately you know mm. who, who you're with, um, and he, he's just a master. Writer. He's great, and it's it's something to aspire to. But I think it, yeah, it's definitely only once you have sort of mastered all the, the viewpoints and you know what you're doing can you can you really risk something like that because um, it could be so jarring to, to be switching especially as you say within a scene um, it can right. really just throw the reader straight out of the story. Exactly and that's what I mean about head hopping and in omniscient I know that was a little confusing before but even you know even when you're writing in that style you don't want to be like you know five characters and each line is a different person talking, a point of view from you know, their heads, um, and I'm saying point of view, and I mean what the, what God knows, what the, <laughs> what, the, what the omniscient narrator knows, but you have to be careful because that can be very jarring, especially when people are getting so used to the third person limited, and, you know, third person limited and doing multiple characters, that there's, I really personally like that style, I mean, uh, there are quite a few people doing that style these days where they have you know, three, four, five characters, and they're all very well defined. But they are the story is told from their point of view in, in multiple chapters. Yeah, it's it's great for um, sorry, um, <laughs> concealing um, you know other characters' motivations um, yes. as well as first person. But you know, you can you can really get across um, the well, or not get across uh, other characters' like opinions and things. But you can also hide the main characters a little bit as well. Um, mm -hmm. which you couldn't get away with in first. So it has this um, pliability that you can you can give away just what you want, and there's, there's quite an art to that. I think it's, it's a great viewpoint. It is, and, and in Harry Potter they used uh, different things like the pensive and, and different elements like that in order to teach, show us more of the backstory that we would not normally get. Yeah. The invisibility cloak and yes. <laughs> things that he shouldn't yeah. really have been seeing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. There were plot devices. Yeah, expertly done. <laughs> yes, they were. Yeah, they were really well done, you know, and, and I think that uh, that style is fantastic, like both of you were saying, you know, and it's fun to get in there. And um, it really does allow you to be more of a director and to really craft a story with angles. And uh, like you were saying, Peter, you know, you're, you're able to hide things when you want to hide it and show things when you want to show it and uh, really have more control over it than, it, say, in a first person, where it, if all of a sudden you would feel cheated as a reader if all of a sudden you found out that, uh, that the character had been lying to you, or a narrator that mm -hmm. lies to you. you know, that's, yeah. uh, that really breaks the trust of, between the author and the reader. Mm -hmm. So, I, it, uh, we're already time to start wrapping things up. This always goes way too fast. Oh, man. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Um, we barely even scratched the surface on Deep POV. We've got a couple minutes left. I'd yeah. just like to hit just a little bit more of that because mm -hmm. um, it 
when we were talking about before, like it sounded like it was more uh, a device to use in first person, but that's not the only place you can use it, correct? Correct, correct. Um, using a well-done third-person uh, deep point of view is very close to a first person. Um, for example, I have one example here I can give you really quick. Um, so, for example, if you have first-person deep point of view, um, I climbed the hill breathing hard. Hiking wasn't my strong point. A moss-covered rock looked like a good place to rest, so I sat down and gazed out over the valley. And, you know, that would be a first-person. If you had third-person, be Sally climbed the hill breathing hard. Hiking wasn't her strongest point. A moss-covered rock looked like a good place to rest, so she sat down and gazed out over the valley. And I have a little bit more... Let me get back over here. Um... I have a little bit more of a you know, description than that, but for time's sake, um, it's very, very close. When you do a deep point of view in third, you're not saying so much as, she saw this. You're not, she saw a deer cross the valley. It would be, a deer crossed the valley. You would say, um, you know, cold seeped through her jeans. Um, instead of, she felt the cold seep through her jeans. It's much closer in that you are, you know, you can tell her thoughts without saying, she thought. You know, I wonder what that, you know, she wondered what that sound was. You could just say, you know, the sound happened. Um, these are not the best examples because I'm thinking on my feet instead of sitting there and writing it out and analyzing. <laughs> but I don't know if that kind of comes across. But deep point of view, like, you know, you're sitting right on that shoulder instead of sitting beside the character. You're sitting on their shoulder and, and feeling and, and, and seeing what they feel. Whereas first person, you know, you're in their head. But they're very, very close if done well. And you, that would allow you, I mean, absolutely allows you to get rid of some really weak, um, mm -hmm. weak words, yes. like the saws and things like that. Saws, but then it also, you can also drop, um, drop the tags like uh, she mm -hmm. thought or the, you know, and yeah. those types of things as well and just be able to write it out. And using beats, which is a whole other show, using beats is a really big part of third point of view. <laughs> third D point of that? view. I did. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, third deep point of view, third deep point of view um, where, you know, instead of saying she said, then I do something like, you know, she picked at the threads on her sweater. You know, it's, it's bringing you closer into that character and into the moment. And I think that's a fantastic way to do that, you know. And um, just like we've been saying the entire show, you know, is that um, all of this stuff is things that you need to learn. Um, so that you can execute it better in your work. Yes. Um, uh, just final thoughts from everyone. Uh, Rebecca, you can go first on point of view. Point of view, study it. Get books about it. Ask help for uh, help from people who know what they're doing or you know, critique partners and things like that. And read. Probably the biggest advice I can give to any author about anything is to read extensively, both in and out of your genre because you're going to absorb things and learn how to do things a lot by by reading. And get an editor. <laughs> Absolutely. Peter, final thoughts? Yeah, I think um, have other people read your work. Um, you know, other people are great at picking out viewpoint errors that you might miss yourself. You know, if you've, if you've given something away that the character shouldn't know or shouldn't have noticed, um, you know, when you're sitting down and you're doing a lot of writing, you can miss that because obviously you know it all, um, and it, it can be easy to forget what the character should and shouldn't know. But um, have people read your work and you know help you out with that. 
Excellent. So, um, really appreciate everyone uh, joining us uh, for the show today. This is a book editor show. I'm Clark Chamberlain. Is joined with me with uh, Peter Turley. We want to give a special thank you to Rebecca Blevins. Um, Rebecca, uh, if people are looking for an editor and it might click between you and them, um, where can they reach you? Um, you can uh, go to my website. It's blevinsediting.blogspot.com. Okay, and I'll also put that in the show notes with a link so you can get right to it. Um, mm -hmm. If you are a writer looking for help, um, you can submit up to 3,500 words to us, uh, and we'll be happy to go through that and to work that through on a show. Um, if you are an editor and would like to be a guest, please get in contact with us. Um, we'd love to have you on. And uh, as always, um, just grateful that you're here with us on the show. Um, this is Clark Chamberlain. And this is Peter Turley. All right. And uh, keep writing, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening, and come back next week for more. Please visit thebookeditorshow.com for show notes, links to guests, books and extras, and for information on how to be a guest on the show.